This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to the DCAU Review, hosted by Cal and Liam, streaming at DCAUreview.com and on your favorite podcast app. In brightest day, in blackest night, no evil shall escape his sight. Green Lantern, the animated series. Go green. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 174 of the DCAU Review. I am one of your hosts, Cal, and with me, my good friend, good brother, and the gentleman that runs our Twitter account. That's right. It's Liam. Liam, welcome to the new month of September here in 2021 and our first official Elseworlds month of this year. We uh, we mentioned last week that we typically do one of these a year and uh, we pushed it back a little bit later this year, but uh, I am excited to kick this off. So welcome to episode 174 of the DCAU Review. That is right. And uh, as you mentioned, this is a special Elseworlds month. We are outside of the main DCAU continuity for the next four weeks. And uh, this time, rather than going with uh, a specific character theme, you know, we've previously done uh, Elseworlds months devoted to both Batman and Superman. Uh, we decided we would uh, take a look on the other side of the coin and uh, and take a look at some villains throughout the month. But rather than just stick with one singular villain, we thought we could jump around to some different shows, shows we've talked about a little bit before, some we have uh, some things we have never talked about before. Uh, definitely a lot of fun stuff coming up in this Elseworlds Villains Month. And we're kicking it off with uh, something that's a little bit familiar. That's right. Uh, we reviewed this, uh, I think, last maybe just a little less than a year ago when we did a Green Lantern themed month here at the DCAU Review. We uh, reviewed the very popular series uh, from the uh, early, what do you call that? The uh, It's not the aughts, but the mid aughts, the early the 2010s the 2010s there we go uh and that is the green lantern the animated series a short-lived and uh, often overlooked maybe underappreciated depending on who you ask i think the people that really love the green lantern the animated series uh will tell you that it is certainly something that has does not get its proper due so we are returning here we rec- uh, if you recall in the archives you can check it out we did the pilot episode a few months back. So you can check that out in the archives on your favorite podcast app. But this month, uh, kicking things off, uh, we're going to jump forward a little bit uh, into the series and moving uh, up to what is at least on the streaming apps is the ninth episode, I believe, in the uh, in the production mm-hmm. or in the run. And that is uh, In Love and War is the name of the episode. And this episode... Uh, features heavily the Star Sapphires, Liam. So uh, we, of course, uh, DCAU fans will know and and recognize Star Sapphire was introduced once we got into the Justice League. Uh, She played a a fairly large role in the uh, Injustice gang, if you will, and uh, and some later appearances, uh, even in Justice League Unlimited. So uh, she mm-hmm. she had quite quite the uh, quite the role, and she's a classic foe of the Green Lantern. In the uh, she, I think the popularity of the character uh, 
kind of took off right around the time that this episode debuted because they of the uh, the the Green Lantern War and everything that happened with uh, In Blackest Night and certainly Jeff Johns writing in main DC continuity and then of course the failed horribly failed movie uh, attempt at <laughs> launching the Green Lantern which was also a Jeff Johns project uh, was uh, setting up uh, one Carol Ferris also potentially to be the uh the the star sapphire as well but uh yeah we get we get a look at that in this episode today which originally debuted on the cartoon network back on april the 28th 2012 meaning we just past the nine-year anniversary of this episode debuting and before we get into our review for this week i'm sure you have the internet movie database official synopsis ready to go that's right. And this is the synopsis for In Love and War, which was written by Andrew Robinson and directed by Sam Liu with music by Friedrich Wiseman. And I could not find an animation studio, so that one will remain a mystery. And uh, that synopsis reads as such. Carol Ferris encounters an alien jewel and becomes the sta- star Sapphire, a powerful but unstable Violet Lantern. She learns how Jordan's identity and fights him for his deceiving her. All right, that's an F. That's a that's that's not an even like not even really what happens. She doesn't end. No, that's that's why it's an F. <laughs> that's that's not at all what happens. I am also very wordy and poor sentence structure, but it's also just not what happened. This is a oh. this is a failing grade for that one. This is this is if this was an assignment, you would go to the student and you'd say, I know that you did not read this. Like, I know the mm-hmm. book report that you just did. You either tried to read the but you literally looked at the cover of the book and decided what it was about. Like, no, this is this is incorrect. Please, please see me after class. Yeah. But uh, as we uh, we jump into the the overarching plot here, the yeah, actual we... plot of the episode. Yes. Yes, uh, the the synopsis is right that this episode does focus on the star Sapphires, as you mentioned, Cal, and that uh, it does feature Carol Ferris. But that's a a pretty, you know, it's it's not a minor detail, but that's hardly the the story of the episode, which is, of course, centered around the uh, the main crew of the Green Lantern, the animated series. Uh, They are on their spaceship. It's Hal Jordan and Kilowog, along with the Red Lantern Razor who we had uh, previously met in the pilot episodes who had sort of defected from the Red Lanterns to sort of join with uh, Hal and, uh, and Kilowog in their, in their quest, along with their uh, AI robot, Aya, who is also, I think, the ship's AI. It's kind of, a, it's kind of like the ship's AI on uh, Legends of Tomorrow, I guess. Yes. Um, same, same kind of thing where it starts out as just a disembodied voice and then eventually has a body and, and goes on the adventures with them. But uh, yeah, they're uh, Kilowog's down in the dumps. He's uh, recently sort of had to end a relationship, and wouldn't you know it, uh, they are interrupted by a space ghost. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> not the so one sure. at the, not at the desk running the uh, running the talk show. And no, not it was not coast to coast. Unfortunately, Anna Barbera's famous space ghost. Okay, different one. Got it. No, it was a translucent uh, slug monster of some kind. Uh, you know, one of those. Uh, is uh, is floating out in space and attaches itself to their ship. They try to fight it off, but are pretty quickly uh, t- uh, taken and and tied up by the, the the monster's tentacles. And things look pretty dire for our heroes when uh, the 
two star sapphires, uh, as, as we have been talking about, appear and are able to sort of fend off the monster and then invite Tal and Kilowog and the rest of the crew to their home planet to, uh, to rest and sort of recuperate. And... How many lantern colors are there? So you're, what, pink lanterns? Not precisely, Green Lantern. Where you value willpower, the star sapphires channel the power and serve the cause of love. Thanks for the assist. How do you happen to be in this neck of the woods? This sector of space is ours. But pardon my manners. I am Agapo. This is my niece, Gita. You're mighty handy with those power rings. We sure could use your help fighting the Red Lantern Corps. I would enjoy allying myself with you, Hal Jordan. We are close to our home planet. Perhaps you'd accompany us for rest and repair before you resume your mission? I don't mind if I do. Uh, kind of right away, you start getting the feeling that something's a little bit up. And I'll just say this, Gal. Uh, I have seen probably less than five episodes of Star Trek in my life. Mm-hmm. But this really felt like an episode of Star Trek to me. Like, yeah, it's like yeah. They, they go to the strange new planet and there's all, you know, and there's attractive women for, for our Captain Kirk to make out with. And then, and then, you know, things are not as they seem. And then one of the other characters gets captured and, and, and then the troops, you know, we got out, the crew has to rally to, to save and kind of get out of Dodge at the end. So this has that kind of vibe as we go along, but yeah, we, we sort of, uh, we go to the planet and they're sort of paired off and Kilowog is still quite, uh, quite despondent. And we, uh, uh, we find, I guess we start to see what the star sapphires can do. Not only do they have power rings like the other lantern cores, but they have these ability to not only see inside people's minds to find their their true loves, but also create portals to bring their true loves to them on this planet, all in service of this uh, this darker uh, this darker plan that we'll sort of figure out as the rest of the episode unrolls. Yeah, so it, we have this initial interaction, and as you mentioned, Kilowog is is sort of the sad sack of the episode as he sort of. Uh, mourning, missing uh, his beloved Galia, who is uh, his love interest that he had to leave on his home planet. And uh, so we we see that uh, through her interaction with her, this queen, uh, Agapo, uh, who's the queen uh, of the Star Sapphires, uh, is revealed to her that his true love stand, uh, is is off on this planet awaiting him so through this and through the detection of this this need for love it appears that she's able to generate a star sapphire ring uh, which appears uh to to kilowog's love and uh galia uh, eventually shows up later on on the planet when when kilowog and and hal and and razor well actually not razor but uh Aya, uh decide to to leave the leave the leave the ship and sort of do this exploration as the as the star sapphires are going to throw them this banquet and as a thank you uh although i feel like they throwing them a banquet is the first clue that like wait a minute did, didn't the star sapphires save the green lanterns why are they throwing them a banquet that makes that makes <laughs> little to no sense here I, I can't believe they didn't smell a trap right away but uh, i guess maybe the power of love was what uh, clouded their judgment at this point but 
they do their best to divide and conquer at this point as Kilowog is uh, sort of lagging behind and happens to see off to the side someone that looks a lot like his love, Galia. And he follows her and, uh, and has a brief interaction with her where she promises uh, that she now has the power to make their love last forever. She is fully transformed into a star sapphire wearing the full star sapphire uniform. And uh, we cut as uh, as she's about to reveal to Kilowog just what this this uh, this power to to protect their love is. Kalia, is it really you? Hello, my love. What are you doing here? in one of them star sapphire outfits. Don't you like it? Baby, you look good in a Gorlian sand sack. But I, I don't understand. How is this possible? How did you- Hush. I have something to show you. Something to keep our love alive and thriving forever. cut back to uh in the also in the interaction uh the queen uh has introduced Hal to his uh uh her niece rather Gieta who is uh who is going to be Hal's love interest or someone who is very interested in Hal at this she is immediately very flirtatious with Hal and and begins to isolate him and they go off on their own just before the before the banquet and is immediately extremely flirtatious with him as well. And uh, back on the ship, Razor, who uh, is the Red Lantern that we met in the first episode that has sort of defected from the Red Lantern Corps and has aligned himself, uh, at least in part, with with Kilowog and Hal, is uh, refused to leave the ship and he is he is immediately suspect once Aya uh, lets them know that she can't detect Kilowog anymore and she's having trouble reaching him. So uh, he begins to suspect there might be some foul play. And that's when we kind of cut back to uh, the queen who is having an interaction with her niece and uh, explaining that things are moving far too slowly uh, for for her and that she needs to speed things up. And it, at some point we get a cut uh, just outside of where where Hal and, and this niece are, are spending time together. We see that Kilowog has been encased uh, in a star sapphire type shell and that he is trapped. And that explaining exactly why I can't quite make contact with him. So this sort of reveals a little bit of what the plot is, is that they seem to need to trap the men, uh, because there are no other men, as mentioned by Hal, uh, specifically on the planet, they are trapping the men there. And uh, this is all part of a big plan to seduce Hal in order to uh, to sort of draw the power, this power of love. Uh, but in order to do that, uh, they need him to fall in love. And uh, we, we discover through this interaction uh, with Gieta that uh, Hal has a love already, and that's going to prevent her from uh, being able to seduce him. Yeah, it's it's an interesting sequence. We kind of get we kind of are given those clues that uh, that Gieta isn't quite as into the whole plan as as uh, as her as the queen is as the rest of the Star Sapphire seem to be. Uh, she's not quite so uh, married to the cause uh, as it were, and uh, and she um, she there. There's even a mention where where uh, where the queen tells her, you know, you're not the one that's supposed to be falling in love. He is. Uh, so uh, so it's uh, it's it's kind of this really dramatic thing where she's uh, where it's clear that she's like the double agent. She's the uh, 
the bond girl to mix to mix my my metaphors who's working for the bad guy um and uh and and so yes once she makes that realization that she won't be able to quite uh to to put hal in that state of love to where they can uh, encase him in these these strange uh, uh star sapphire chambers uh that they're encasing all these other men in uh she in fact does make contact to to Carol Ferris and we get a little bit of a flashback. There was a little previously on at the beginning of the episode, but we get a little bit of a flashback again of, of where Hal sort of left her in the, in the first episode and, and disappeared and has not, uh, has not come back to earth since the pilot episode. And so she's, you know, she's on the phone trying to find him. It's, it's treating it like a mission, a missing person's case. And then this, the strange glowing light appears to her and, and brings her th- through this portal to this uh, this home world of the star sapphires and and she sees Hal and and immediately it's kind of this really sweet nice reunion and and as as he begins to sort of explain what's been happening and as she sort of also deals with the revelation that he is in fact the green lantern uh, she notices uh, Giata is is there and and sort of seems to then believe that that Hal has in fact been uh, been uh, doing some extracurricular activities <laughs> in his time away. Green Lantern? Carol. The ring said it'd take me to my love, but... It's you. You're Hal. Oh, Hal. Ah, oh, I can't believe I was ever fooled by the stupid mask. Carol, I, I don't understand. How, how can you be here? How are... I thought you were dead. I... Oh, Hal, I thought I'd never see you again. I see I've interrupted something. No, no, Carol, I... All this time, I thought you were dead. Well, now you're going to wish you were dead. Uh, from her, and that uh, maybe he hasn't been exactly faithful to her, and that and that leads to... Her, it's really one of the, like kind of the big action beats of the episode is so she she first attacks Giata and then sort of attacks Hal and and that's sort of a counterbalance by by Razor and and a uh, continuing to try to hunt for Kilowog. Yeah, it's uh it's that that scene is pretty funny in and of itself. There's some quick witty banter between Carol and Hal, and uh, as you said, uh, Hal. It, at this point, it looks very bad, even though he's been pretty resistant to Geta's uh, advances, and uh, it doesn't certainly doesn't look good. But he and he and Carol, after a quick battle, uh, she she uh, quickly blasts Geta, and and then then Hal and Carol have their own sort of battle. Um, he does his best, and apparently, I, I think that Gieta it reminds her that there's an, an initial once they accept the ring. There's sort of this initial loss of memory or loss of control, uh, sort of explaining away her in, initial uh, passion uh, and and loss of, of of understanding or willing mm-hmm. to trust trust Hal. So Hal sort of breaks through that by uh, putting down his his weapon and allowing her to to put he literally takes her fist and puts it on his chest and says you know if you don't believe me go ahead and and do what you have to do you've got it all wrong baby she's just a friend don't worry sister i won't forget your part in this 
You're suffering delirium from the transformation. We star sapphires are beings of love. Carol, stop. I don't know how you got here or into that outfit, which you look great in, by the way, but... Oh, I do. Because your little tramp here is in the same outfit. You've got to shake this off. Whatever they've done to you... What they did is give me power. You let me think you were dead. And all the while, it was just party time for all hell, wasn't it? First of all, nothing happened between me and Gieta. And second, this is nuts. Let's just talk. You want to talk? Talk to the hand! Let me go! I won't. Letting go of you the first time was the hardest thing I've ever done. You're lying. Again! Carol. If that's what you think. And this sort of snaps her out of this daze, and uh, they embrace and share a kiss, and uh, at, at this point, we uh, we realize that uh, the other the subplot of of Razor and Aya sort of looking for where where uh, just where Kellogg has has disappeared to. Uh, Aya has gone off on her own, and it's, uh, as the Queen has said that uh, she's not welcome on their planet. She's only tolerated there because she has no emotion as a robot. Uh, this also acts as a plan for the queen to attempt to isolate Razor in an attempt to do uh, to him what uh, was done to Kilowog and what they were attempting to do to Hal as well. We uh, quickly realized, though, that Razor uh, has no love in his heart because he is a Red Lantern. He is uh, he is full of hatred. And uh, she's sort of unable to to seduce him. Aya also discovers uh, where Kilowog just happens to be. And uh, they there's this ensuing fight that happens between uh, some of the Star Sapphires and then uh, Aya and, and Razor. There's a quick battle that happens and that brings Hal. And, uh, and uh, after he has freed Kilowog, he too discovers where Kilowog is and ma- ma- manages to free him. And this kind of brings them into this uh, palace and they have a, a brief interaction uh, before that, though, there was a there's an interaction where uh, Gieta sort of pleads with Carol to uh, to finish the process and that she lets her know that she's able to sort of do to Hal what was done to Kilowog and that this can preserve him and keep his uh, keep him there and their love alive forever. And this is there's a brief interaction where, where Carol and, and Gieta, where she explains, uh, Carol explains to her that that's not what love is holding, you know, so holding somebody against their will is not there mm-hmm. is not love. Uh, and, and that love is uh, looks very differently. So there's this sort of aha moment for Gieta, who, as you mentioned, was already on the fence about uh, this mission and, and how the star sapphires were were doing things. Um, this leads to a, a, another battle, and then we we kind of have our we have our final scene where uh, that that uh, wily space ghost makes another appearance. <laughs> yeah, that's like the the it's Chekhov's giant translucent te- te- uh, tentacle monster or or something like that. Yeah, introduced at the start, and then yeah, makes a reappearance at the end. There as sort of like the pet of the the star sapphires and. Once again, it looks like they're uh, they're sort of at, at their wits' end, and and then uh, Gieta actually stands up to to the queen and to the rest of the star sapphires and takes care of the monster and allows the the Green Lanterns to escape. Uh, Kilowog not so willingly as uh, as he unfortunately had to leave Giela behind, but uh, uh, yeah, it's it's sort of a, a dramatic ending there as uh, as 
they're 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 sort of left there as as uh, the queen queen tells tells Yetta that she has uh, she has much to learn and then she says no actually I think I have uh, much to teach and uh, and that that kind of goes back to what you were saying when what Carol tells her about about what love really is and and what it means to uh, to sort of if what it would mean to actually be a a lantern core that uh, that professes to teach that uh, that emotion and and sort of the power of that emotion. So it's a fun little episode. There's a, one other nugget I will mention is that when they uh, when they go into Razor's mind, they do see that he once did have a a great love who is deceased, and we we find out that uh, Aya basically based her entire uh, look off of this woman. Men spread war. The star sapphires bring the gift of love. The galaxy will know peace only when all men have been gentled by love's violet light. So you did have a true love. One who died, but whose form lives again. In this robot. It's true. You... You were in my mind. You stole the image of Ilana from my memories. I meant no harm. I simply based my mechanical form on the last imprint I had in my database. Enough talk. This Red Lantern is dead inside. He has nothing to fuel us. It is a mercy to destroy him. And that sort of seems to be setting up a little bit of a betrayal, because it seems like they have gotten a little closer and are... Maybe not in a relationship, but are but are headed in that direction, and then Razor sort of feels betrayed by that uh, by that knowledge that you feel, and maybe a little violated that she she took this memory from from uh, from him and and used it to sort of make the make her her face and 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 everything. So there's definitely some elements that will continue on in the rest of the season, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, this is. This is with, despite having a lot of connections to other episodes, either earlier on or sort of this larger Red Lantern war that's looming that they they talk about several times. This ended up being a, a pretty nice sort of self-contained episode that kind of like like I said, kind of feels like a like a, a classic '70s like uh, sci-fi show or something where you're where they just visit this strange planet and. They go on an adventure and then they, you know, have to fight their way out and and then they're on their way to the next adventure at the end. So there's kind of a nice little bow put on it, even as these sort of larger story threads begin to uh, to form. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and we can we can start getting into our our scores here for the uh, for the episode. I do like that. I do like that, uh, despite you know we've skipped over four or five six episodes or so uh from the ones that we had previously uh reviewed maybe a little more eight episodes i guess or seven episodes um you know it didn't feel like we were too 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 lost it felt like we could pick things up and sort of understand what was happening there was enough enough background and understanding once you remember who you know your main players are obviously Kilowog and and Hal Jordan are, are pretty standard you know remembering that Razor was this Red Lantern character and that Aya is the the sort of you know the as you said, the, the mind behind their, their ship, the interceptor and um, you know, Carol, Carol being his girlfriend, that's all pretty standard green lantern lore. So uh, allowing you to be introduced to these new star Sapphire characters and uh, having a self-contained episode that you said, as you said, is, is, is a great homage to 
those original, you know, a, a 60s uh, Star Trek or, or even a- any of those other serialized shows from the 60s that, that this would fit into, I think uh, works well. And I, I think that the, while the plot itself is somewhat, as you said, uh, it could be derivative, derivative in some ways, uh, that it's, it's done well enough and it lays the groundwork and also, as you said, sets up threads uh, to follow throughout the rest of this show, you know, for not only your main characters of, of Hal and Kilowog as they deal with uh, their own relationships. And then you obviously have Carol's story and her learning Hal's secret and having to return back to earth. And uh, then you have the, the star Sapphires who do end up making uh, at least one more appearance, if not several more appearances. So you have some groundwork laid for them as well. It, it's really good writing. I think, um, I think it's a solid, solid episode. And there's, you know, a good 22 minute set of fun. There's not a a whole lot of action. A lot of it is dialogue. I feel like Mm -hmm. you do have, you have the scene with that, the monster at the beginning that they have to come in contact with. And then there's a, a fairly large lull in activity until you get to the scene with Carol and, and Green Lantern sort of having their battle there. And then there's another, another mini battle between uh, Razor Aya and, and the, and the star Sapphires that sort of is happening simultaneously with that. And then again, the sort of mini battle at the end, it's not, not action heavy. There's a lot of, a lot of dialogue, a lot of intrigue and a lot of, you know, sort of what's trying to figure out what's happening with these star Sapphires. Are they, are they friend or foe? So um, it's it's not action heavy, and I feel like it, it could have could have uh, lent a little bit more to that, uh, which m- maybe would have made it a, a little bit of a higher score for me. But with that said, I went with a pretty solid six out of ten. What about you? Yeah, I went just a touch higher at uh, at seven out of ten. I I had a lot of fun with this. Uh, like you said, it's it can be tough to come in uh, pretty cold, and this is a series we've talked about that neither of us had really much of a, much of a nostalgia for had maybe each seen maybe one episode. Um, if that, when we reviewed the first one. So it is interesting coming to this series that is beloved as we talked about and, and sort of seeing it with fresh eyes. And, and in this case, jumping ahead quite a few episodes from where we were last. Um, so I do think that's a, that's, that's a, that could have theoretically been a, a recipe for us feeling a little bit lost or a little bit, uh, you know, uh, un, uninterested in, in the plot at hand. But I think I think they did a good job of making it clear, even if this was the first episode of the series you saw, I think you could kind of grasp everything that's happening and and why and why the characters are doing what they're doing, why they're feeling what they're feeling and, and everything. And, and I think you still get kind of an, an emotional charge out of uh, out of seeing that that Hal and, and Carol reunion in, in the middle of the episode. And uh, even again, even if you don't uh, necessarily f- have watched the uh, the most of the other episodes of the series. So yeah, overall, a uh, pretty solid fun time. Like I said, there are there are threads that I'm sure may, maybe would have may uh, meant more to us if we had watched every single episode. But even without that, I thought it was a pretty fun, uh, pretty fun time just as a standalone episode. Yeah, I agree completely. And I think that uh, I, I think we forgot to mention one of the other minor and threads that they sort of not it's not a throwaway and i wonder what the follow-up if there is follow-up that that happens with it but there is uh 
I remember at least in the pilot, there was this natural distrust and there's always this sort of underlying theme with the green lanterns of the distrust of the guardians of the gal of, of the galaxy, not those guardians of the galaxy, but the, the other guardians of the galaxy, <laughs> the, uh, the guardians of the, of the green lantern Corps, And they mentioned that this race of star sapphires was originally uh, involved with the, with the guardians and that they went their separate ways because the guardians refused to allow emotion of any kind to influence their decisions. So uh, there's always that underlying tension between the members of the Green Lantern Corps and the Guardians because the Guardians tend not to to have uh, or, or to, to rely on emotion. And then you have uh, obviously Hal Jordan, a very emotional human being that, that tends to be the uh, the ring bearer, even in the case of, of, of Kyle Rayner or, or John Stewart, you have very emotional human beings that are wielding mm-hmm. this ring. So interesting to see if, uh, in the future, when we cover, cover more of these or, you know, uh, down the line, if, if that's a thread that gets picked up also, cause I always feel like that's a pretty fascinating storyline that is woven into the typical green lantern tales. All right, Liam, let's move on to visual and animation for this week. As you said, no credited animation studio for this. But uh, as we've talked about when we reviewed this initially back uh, last year, it's harder to uh, to sort of gauge this one and, and give this one a proper score based on the fact that it's a completely different medium than what we're used to as far as using CGI and computer animation, uh, completely computer animated, as opposed to the, the hand-drawn or digital digital drawings that we typically see in the DCAU. With that said, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that this is a heavily influenced Bruce Timm designed uh, series. We have uh, he is the executive producer credited for this entire series. So uh, lots of barrel chested big men with uh, with square jaws and, and square fists at times uh, have been translated into a three dimensional world here. But uh, for the actual uh, episode itself, as we mentioned, there's not a lot of action uh, to rely mm-hmm. on. However, I think the action scenes te- do those action sequences do tend to stick out pretty pretty well and then there's a, a few other scenes that maybe aren't uh, heavily act action heavy but uh do i think leave a a lasting impression uh, what what stuck out for you as far as uh, as far as the visuals for this week yeah i think i think first and foremost you just look at the the designs of the of the different star sapphires we see um you know the queen's the queen's uniform is uh, is uh, quite a bit different than uh than Giatas or the sort of the, the guards women that we see sort of surrounding the queen for the rest of the episode or, or, uh, or Giala or, or even Carol, uh, Carol's star Sapphire suit is pretty reminiscent of her, her like 2009, 2010, uh, comic book look. It's a little less revealing, uh, than the, the comic book version, uh, was, but yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty spot on to that. There's a little bit of a touch of like the classic silver age star Sapphire suit in it as well. Um, yeah, she's got the big, uh, the big collar, uh, which is mm-hmm. kind of silver age. She doesn't have, I think she had more of a, of a domino mask type look in that silver yes. age. So they did go with a more modern, just sort of uh, almost like a border around her, the outer edge of her eyes that, that kind mm-hmm. of extends out uh, past her face. And uh, as you mentioned, yeah, certainly a little less revealing, but still the, the classic thigh high boots and uh, that uh, she even comments on as, as she's in 
the costume and uh there's some there's some subtle sort of uh sort of meta commentary about it too which i thought was was pretty amusing that she makes about the costume and look making the costume look good which i thought was was pretty funny uh, <laughs> but uh yeah it's 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 faithful i feel like to the uh, to the to the source material without being overly sexualized, which is you know obviously a, a huge complaint and certainly a justifiable one for that more recent uh, Star Sapphire look. So I, I think it's the best of both worlds. I think it does does well. It doesn't feel like the, my issue with that original Star Sapphire Silver Age design is that it it does look quite outdated. If you you know it's it's mm-hmm. sort of like looking at the Nightwing costume, the disco era Nightwing costume. Yeah, power. It's like, yeah, you can appreciate it, but it, it clearly looks like a, a product of the time that it was that it was drawn in. So I think marrying <laughs> marrying both of of the the newer, more modern design with that that classic design gives it that familiar feel, but also allows it to, to, uh, to not be completely ridiculous and disrespectful and overly sexualized. Yeah. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, as, as far as the, the action moments go, I, like you said, we don't get a lot, uh, there's that opening bit with the monster. And then I, there's one thing, and we, I think we talked about this last time. It's, it's still strange to me, I guess, because, every other show animated show that does green lantern puts the green outline around them when they fly. And this show does not. Mm -hmm. Um, Carol had like the, the violet outline around her when she was using her ring and flying and whatever, but for whatever reason, the green lanterns don't. And so like, I find that mildly distracting, but that's obviously a stylistic choice, which again, maybe if I'd watched the other eight episodes in between, and, and didn't watch these these two that we have watched a year apart. Maybe I, it it wouldn't seem so weird to me, but that is something that stood out to me again. Yep. And then, yeah, we we get a little bit more of a or we get a little bit of constructs this week. Uh, we see Hal make a buzz saw with his uh, with his ring to saw off one of the the spears of the star sapphires, which I, I'm always a fan of seeing that show up. And and uh, yeah, I think I I like the sequence where uh, where uh, I, I apologize to people that are fans of the show. I'm still not sure if it's Aya or Aya. I think um, say, I, th- I feel like they say Aya because I think it's like I it's it's like AI but backwards. But yeah, but yeah, it's it's spelled like Aya. So I think it's Aya though. Okay, we'll, we'll go with Aya. Um, and apologies if we're wrong. But uh, but yeah, I like that sequence where she's sort of floating around looking, and you sort of see all of the gems, and she finds Kellawog and then sort of looks around, and you don't, uh, you just see the silhouettes of all of these other creatures that have uh, been been encased in these these shells, and then uh, right as she's about to free Kellawog, the the Star Sapphire guards show up, and then she sort of does the the Wonder Woman pose, and uh, you know crosses the the shields on her on her hands, and and goes into battle. I think, I think that's a pretty fun sequence there. And, and then leading into that, uh, the sort of, like we said, brief final battle we get before uh, they fly away. And even that, that last little bit there where, you know, Kilowog is, is sort of defending himself against the star Sapphires, but then sees his, you know, his, his lost love among the ranks and sort of wants to stop and go to her. And then Hal has to sort of forcibly pull him into the ship and so they get away is 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 pretty dramatic uh, from a visual standpoint so yeah I, I think there's there's some fun stuff like you said not a heavy action episode so 
but but I thought what they what they did was pretty good, and and I think the you know the sort of the romance and the and the 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 reunion of of Hal and 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 Carol is very nice uh, from you know from from both a plot standpoint and it, you know it feel you know you you feel that emotion when they when they do embrace and when it does feel like these two people that really care for each other and uh, my, my one other note I just want to notice is that apparently the star sapphire ring also can give you hair extensions <laughs> yeah Carol's Carol's yeah. hair magically grows it does yeah she kind of has like the like the season two friends Rachel cut in <laughs> in her business power suit. And then all of a sudden she has like this long flowing hair when she's in the, uh, the star Sapphire suit. But when she takes the ring off, she's back to the, uh, to uh, back to all business with the, with the shortened hair. So I, yeah. I just thought that was funny. Uh, uh, but uh, yeah, overall, I, I think there's some fun moments, maybe nothing that blew my mind, but still a, a fun episode visually. So I went with a, uh, another seven out of 10 for my visual score. Well, there you go. And uh, I actually gave it the same exact score. I also gave it a seven out of 10. Uh, the things that stood stuck out for me, I would say a lot of the, uh, for, for lack of a better descriptor, set pieces, I guess, uh, when they are, they're actually, um, when they're on Zamoran, which is the planet where the, the star sapphires are, are live or call home, uh, there are several scenes where as uh, Gieta is attempting to, to seduce how there's there, you know, she's outside at this on this uh, large platform just outside a the palace, sort of overlooking this beautiful waterfall and this beautiful scenery. And she com comments on how beautiful it is. And the, the art design team really did their best to make it look like a very uh, strong paradise, uh, you know, a, a place where you would want to be. It, you know, it reminds me of, uh, you know, Greek mythology with the, with the sirens that would do, or, or even Medusa mm -hmm. who would, who would seduce the, you know, seduce these characters and everything on the surface would look very attractive and everything would look very, you know, would, would, would want to keep them there. Why would you ever want to leave these, these places? And then there's this, this underbelly of, of, uh, of terror, you know, as they sort of pan out further and you see Kilowog and, and several others, as you mentioned, this field of gems of frozen, frozen men in the inside of these gems. Uh, so I, I do like that there's on the surface, uh, you know, is, is this beautiful paradise and underneath bubbling underneath the surface is sort of this, this, uh, this nasty undercurrent of, of uh, ugliness underneath of it. So I thought that was great. I think the scene also where Carol is first contacted uh, by the star sapphires and the ring appears, she's in this office at, uh, I, I guess, at the airfield where they work. And she's mm -hmm. on the phone with, uh, with someone who's telling her to sort of give up hope. And it, just as she hangs up the phone, uh, specifically saying to give up hope on looking for Hal. Miss Ferris, we've done everything possible. We've turned over everything. Every rock followed every lead. There's no trace of Hal Jordan. What are you saying? At this point, we'd advise you to terminate your search and move on. Very sorry. Thank you for your efforts. <laughs> Carol Ferris of Earth, you have lost your true love. The Star Sapphires offer to make your heart whole again, to reunite you, to make you one of our own. 
uh, as she hangs up the phone, uh, you know, it's sort of somewhat dark in the room. And then all of a sudden it's illuminated by this pink glow. And uh, we cut away uh, as as the ring itself begins to explain to her just what the ring is supposed to do and what the star sapphires stand for. And then we cut back uh, just as she's about to accept the ring. And the pink hue glows not only in the entire room, but but shows off of her. And it's visually just a very interesting scene uh, in lighting wise and color wise the color palette that it's almost completely shaded in pink which i think is it was great and and sort of uh perfect for the scene something you would definitely see in a comic book panel so appreciated that and then i think the the main standout as far as visuals within the action beats comes from when uh, you have razor and and i uh sort of battling these these star, uh, star sapphire rank and file and then it cuts back to to carol and and green lantern doing battle and there's sort of uh you know he uses a few constructs including a hand and uh there's sort of uh a 360 pan uh that moves around and that's one of the benefits that that we can you know that we talk about when the difference between using sort of hand-drawn animation and and sort of infusing cgi into hand-drawn animation and then this obviously is completely cgi you have the ability to do some of these fantastic 360 camera pans that move around your characters in a dynamic way that would have been near near impossible or incredibly difficult to pull off uh, or incredibly expensive and counter counterintuitive to a to a budget in sort of hand-drawn <laughs> animation so there is is some benefit to that as we have some of the this battle and flight between Carol and and Hal and uh, this cut back and forth between uh, Aya and, and Razors they sort of they sort of do the Avengers pose where they sort of pose back to back <laughs> and the camera pans around them as they're in, ready to do battle with these uh, these Star Sapphire warriors so uh, yeah I thought those those visuals were were the most interesting and notable and uh, I, I did like the design of the uh, the Space Ghost I guess is what we're calling him i thought he was, he was interesting he sort of has uh as you mentioned a, a squid like or octopus like look with a maybe a hair hair of uh, a symbiote or something uh in his in, in his facial region kind of no eyes with these big big sharp teeth and uh an interesting design and the fact that he was again translucent yet uh yet able to sort of be a, a full construct that was attacking uh, the members of the uh, the interceptor. I, I really really in, enjoyed that. So uh, some some good things that stood out, it, despite it not being maybe an action heavy episode. There were I think a lot of things that visually that uh, are were were treats for the eyes, if you will. One hundred percent. All right, let's move on, Liam, to our music for this week's episode. And before we went on the air, uh, you mentioned that that was something that uh, really stood out for you for this episode. I would agree. Uh, as we uh, we mentioned when we initially reviewed this again back uh, last year, the Green Lantern theme song, uh, man, hugely underrated. Just a, a great oh, yeah. theme. It's a it's a uh, it's a very quick. 32nd I think theme song that they composed just for this uh for for the uh for the run on Cartoon Network and it's it's just easily uh, memorable and hummable and it's a great theme it fits right in with the heroic theme maybe not a one-to-one -one or and and probably or 
I, I probably would give the edge to the DCAU Green Lantern theme song as far as my favorite Green Lantern theme, but this is a pretty close one-to-one A. This is easily hummable and something that's probably going to get stuck in your head if you watch too many of these episodes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a great way to start the episode again. feels very epic and and spacey and and worthy of this this grand sort of sci-fi superhero um and it fits perfectly it's it's a really great way to start every episode of the show and yeah the, i thought i thought the the music throughout the episode again maybe not a, a songs that you can a lot of a lot of music that you you think about in the way that we might think about something from batman the animated series but I thought, especially when uh, when Aya is going around and looking in all of the these men encased in in these gems, like I think that it's just really ominous and really just really adding to that sense of dread, sort of all throughout that scene. And then as she's confronted by the the Star Sapphires and and she sort of squares up and is ready to attack, the music sort of becomes more traditional action music. And then I thought the um, the music when when Hal and 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 Carol are, are having their sort of heart to heart. And, you know, she's, she's sort of asking him, you know, why, why he left and, and, and where he's been. And, and he sort of is slowly explaining to her, uh, you know, why, why he had to go and how much he misses her and how he wants to come back. But there's this sort of impending invasion from the red lanterns. And it's, it actually brings in uh, the, the the main Green Lantern theme a little bit as he's sort of explaining his mission, just sort of in, in a much more sort of somber and and more dramatic way. But uh, just yeah, I, th- I thought some of the some of the quieter moments had had great music as well as well as the action, which is always nice to see. Yeah, it there's a lot in this. It's a very cinematic theme too. I, I feel like uh, there the moments where Carol is on the phone again with with this uh, person telling her that she needs to give up hope or are punctuated with this sad somber uh, sad somber tone. And then uh, the scenes with with Hal and Gieta by the you know as she's attempting to seduce him are punctuated with this sort of. Uh, sweet yet uh, somewhat sinister undertone as you can tell it's uh, at least initially it's it's kind of innocent and then once the the subplot of of the queen is revealed it's a little bit more sinister and played upon and then uh, you have uh, you have the theme as as Aya sort of flying around attempting to locate where Kilowog is which is a little bit more urgent and frantic and then uh, certainly the, the small action beats that we do get are punctuated with a little bit more of a you know gusto and and action <laughs> action uh, there uh, and ultimately that final Final scene, uh, sort of punctuated. Also, as we we see Kilwag realize that he has to leave his love behind again, is uh, you know a, a little bit sadder. You know, so there there are there are moments that are perfectly sort of punctuated here throughout, and and the decisions no surprise by you know based on based on the the legends that are you know doing the music for this but you know it's 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 great that uh you know the the scenes are are treated with as if this was a movie or as as if this was uh you know this was not just your run-of-the-mill children's cartoons so they add a lot to the emotion of each scene here ironically in an episode that's really about love and emotion always i mean 
Green Lantern, it's always about emotion, but this episode particularly, <laughs> uh, you know, about love and emotion. So there's a firm balance between the the sinister tone and then some of the lighter moments and some of the the softer softer strings and. Um, yeah, agreed. And uh, just one more one more shout out to uh, uh, Frederick or Friedrich Weidman who composed for this episode, but. Yeah, just I I thought it's one of those things where every the music in every scene adds to whatever is happening. If it is an action beat, it's very big and epic, like you said, like a film score. It's dramatic and there's horns and it's and it's it's very over. It's a you know it's more it's more dramatic and and louder and and then in those quieter moments, it is those those sort of softer strings and maybe a light a light little bit of of of, uh, of some sort of horn just to but it but it's always in service of 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 whatever is going on on screen there and that's i mean that's that's the sign of a of a, i think of a great soundtrack is uh, is is when it when it not just is it's not just it's not just there it's it's part of what you know part of the experience and adds to the emotions that we're supposed to be feeling and adds to the excitement of the battle scenes and things like that and uh, this did a great job of that and uh, for all those reasons i actually gave music a very strong nine out of ten nice yeah i just want to tick lower i went eight out of ten i think um i think even the scene uh, as we as we kind of go into into Kilowog's mind for the first time and see, you know, his, his sadness about, you know, the loss of loss of his, his true love here is, is, I thought that was really awesome. I think, I think it just plays Mm -hmm. sort of the sadness and the, you know, his, him being down and him being uh, sort of heartbroken. And then it's punctuated by, you know, the, the star Sapphire queen coming in and, and sort of attempting to seemingly empathize him, but then, you know, sending this ring off to uh, to in order to to potentially bring Kilowog in as and and capture him. So uh, it's done really really well. I think that the the music plays plays a large role in this episode. I think um, I seem to remember us also enjoying it in that first episode that we reviewed as well. So uh, you know, it's it's strong and it's an important part. No big shock, I though I guess though in a in a Bruce Tim executive produced episode or tv series so <laughs> just <laughs> guess we shouldn't be surprised uh, that they they took it pretty serious and and uh allowed it to be such a big player in, in uh in this series so all right liam moving on let's move into our final category for this week which of course is going to be our voice acting not such a large cast we have a couple of players uh, pulling double duty here with with background voices and uh, actually a couple of our main characters played by the same person. So uh, let's talk about this week's voice cast. Yeah, we have a, a lot of characters who we've uh, we've met before and, and uh, not just in this series, but in others as well. But uh, we do have Kevin Michael Richardson as Kilowog, um, who's again, he he gets to do a little bit more. And I think in the first episode where he's just he's a little bit more gung ho and you know, and, and, and more of a, just sort of the classic, like a uh, brawler bruiser type. He obviously, he's kind of going through quite an emo- emotional roller coaster throughout this episode. So I appreciated seeing him get to, uh, to, to flex his acting muscles a little bit. 
Yeah, he, uh, as we've mentioned before in his various different uh, voice appearances, of course, he's done done a lot in across not only the DCAU, but then, of course, uh, you know, the Batman. He's done uh, many, many cartoons outside of, of DC Comics. Also, maybe most notably, he's done a lot on Family Guy. And uh, mm-hmm. so he's 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 a voice that you recognize. And a lot of times, maybe in the in the minor minor roles that we've seen him in, obviously, Static Shock, he plays such a big role in that as well, playing Static's father. And, uh, you know, we've gotten to see some some emotion come out of him in that but i you know he didn't he didn't get to play a huge role in in in, in the the more main dcau uh shows so uh, the, this one him being a regular on-screen main part of the of nearly every episode and again as you said being able to evoke some more emotion than just the gung-ho maybe comedic relief that we saw him in that first episode or you know, that gung-ho uh, headstrong character this yeah as we mentioned he has has a bit of an emotional roller coaster ride for this episode as he's dealing with, you know, a a broken heart and then the hope of being reunited and then coming to the realization that uh, as Hal breaks him out of the, uh, out of the Sapphire shell, he's uh, disappointed again. He he was, you know, he was so happy, he said, and then, uh, you know, coming to the realization that he has to once again, leave uh, his, his love, his true love. So yeah, there's, there's a certainly a roller coaster of emotion that he has to go on and, and uh, it's no shock, I think, that uh, he pretty much delivers. Kilowog, you seem so bereft. I'd rather not talk about it. You suffer from a great loss, a broken heart. Absolutely. And uh, that'll bring us to some of the rest of our voice cast here. We have uh, Jennifer Hale, who, of course, folks would know as the voice of Giganta and Killer Frost and and many other voices in the DCAU, as well as uh, other cartoons and video games. But she is playing both uh, Giata and uh, Carol Ferris slash the Star Sapphire in this episode. So she's got uh, quite the dual role to play here as sort of both of the the love interests of... uh, of Hal Jordan in this episode, but uh, I thought she has some pretty funny lines, and and I, I think the line there where she, uh, where I think it's it's the act break where she she says, you know, I thought you were dead, and now you're gonna wish you were. I thought that was that's a good classic dramatic uh, villain line to to leave a, to go to a commercial on. <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's right. And then uh, otherwise in the cast we have Jason Spizak, another veteran voice actor, a lot of video games. Uh, playing Razor and uh, voicing both uh, Queen Agapo and Aya. We have uh, Gray Delisle, who I believe goes by Gray Griffin now, but just yet another of a, a, you know, this is really kind of a who's who of of sort of classic voice actors. As as we've talked about, she, of course, you would know her from playing uh, Mandy on The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. She was, of course, Catwoman in the Arkham games. Uh, Daphne on Scooby-Doo for many years. So she's uh, another one of those voices that if you've watched any cartoon in about the last 25 to 30 years, you've probably heard her voice quite a few times. So, Uh, and again, I I think she gets to, again, I think show sort of a little bit of, of her range in that, the Aya voice is very sort of uh, simple and 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 doesn't have much emotion to it because she's meant to be an AI, a robot. So she gets to do sort of more of a sort of straight, very uh, cold line readings with there. And then you, you sort of con- contrast that with the sort of 
evil hyper emotional uh queen who's sort of the, the main villain of the piece uh, she she gets a lot to do here as well yeah i agree um she the the aya character itself as you mentioned is intentionally devoid of emotion and even in this interaction that we have where we reveal as we mentioned uh, this sort of subplot that we assume is setting up something for later on in the in the show to deal with that uh, she has lifted as Aya lifted her her visual appearance from Razor's memories and and who his true love is and uh, there's sort of this uh, moment where he comes to realize that his rage sort of come, starts to come out and she has to attempt to express sort of sorrow and regret but it comes off very coldly because again she's a robot and she's not supposed to show emotion so. Uh, I thought that was done pretty well. It's a, it's a line to walk because she is expressing regret or expressing uh, an mm-hmm. apology of sorts, but it's also very emotionless in the way that she comes off doing it because she's an artificial intelligence. So it makes sense. Uh, the queen, very sinister. I really enjoy that. Uh, she comes off almost immediately. You can tell she's, if she was a, I think if she was a, uh, a classic cartoon villain, even though she's uh, a female, she would probably be twirling a mustache. She's immediately very suspect as to, uh, you know, <laughs> as, as to her motives for things and, and, immediately sort of uh, attempting to quell any sort of uh, any sort of uh, objections that uh, either Kilolog or Hal or Razor have. She's quick to minimize their concern and uh, obviously for good reason as she's attempting to uh, capture them and keep them in, on their planet for forever. So yeah, it's a it's two different performances. One is sort of over the top and, and is sort of a straight up um, you know, evil, <laughs> not quite evil, but definitely poor motivated character. And then you have one that's just void of emotion, artificial intelligence that uh, still has to express some sort of uh, emotion without actually showing emotion. So uh, I think she does a really fantastic job in balancing both of those and making them unique. Certainly, it, you know, it's, it's not it's not immediately obvious that it's the same person. Absolutely. Yeah. It's uh, that really speaks to her, her range as a, as an actor. And it, it was, uh, it was cool to see her sort of get to flex those muscles. But then of course we have our, our main actor of the piece. We have Josh Keaton as Hal Jordan slash Green Lantern. And uh, not only does uh, this, uh, would you know him as uh, perhaps most recently playing uh, young little Steve Rogers on, uh, on the Marvel what if, cartoon that's going on on Disney plus, but of course was the voice of Spider-Man on the best Spider-Man cartoon, that being spectacular Spider-Man and, uh, and uh, quite a few other voice acting roles to his name as well. But uh, yeah, I think he fits as a Hal Jordan. I don't really have like an archetypal feel for the Hal Jordan character. Like I feel like he's kind of a doofus in some, in some writer's hands and he's kind of a, you know, I know the idea, he's a pilot, he's kind of a, you know, a hot shot, like, uh, you know, Tom, Tom Cruise in, in Top Gun or something. But I, I don't really get that feel from this version of Hal Jordan. And maybe that's just because he's, you know, you want him to be a little bit more likable and, and down to earth since he's the, uh, since he's the protagonist of the show. But uh, yeah, I, I think he does a solid job here. A lot of his episode is more just reacting to kind of all the craziness around him, though, in this case. Yeah, he's he doesn't come off as the as the shoot first, ask questions later type as you mentioned, and I I actually like that because 
being forthright and honest, I think we maybe even touched on this when we reviewed this uh, series back uh, last year. We, I'm not a Hal Jordan guy. Like we grew up mm-hmm. in, in a time where, where Kyle Rayner was our green lantern. Uh, he was, he was the green lantern of the nineties. And then obviously Jeff Johns, when he took over creatively and certainly was responsible for, uh, a lot of the the larger storylines and main DC continuity in the last decade and a half or so decided that he was going to revive his childhood heroes, that being Barry Allen and and Hal Jordan. Uh, it's it's not a character that I regularly identify with either. You know, I, I'm, I tend to be a creative person myself. Um, I thought that that Kyle Rayner had had more of an emotional, certainly uh, and identifiable character traits than just the hothead Air Force pilot that uh, that, you know, shoots suits first, again, asks questions later. So, um, you know, it's 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 not exactly a relatable character for me. I know that they attempted to sort of modify and at times, I think, in various different uh, forms of media they've they've tried to make uh how a, a little bit less uh emotionally driven that way obviously that that played a little bit more part in in what his character arc ended up happening in in main continuity so i don't know how it's it's hard for me to accept a calmer gentler how at times because knowing in in main continuity why why that was eventually used as uh you know a, a reason to turn him into a, a supervillain ultimately uh so you know so with that said uh, you know how how at times is not my certainly not my favorite lantern and certainly mm-hmm. I, I tend to have a, a prejudice typically against him when it comes <laughs> to green lantern but uh this this version of how jordan green lantern is for me at least the is the least insufferable version of this character i think and uh, a lot of that certainly comes from from josh keaton's performance i think it's a it's a very calm even keeled he comes across as a as a very uh smart even even keeled level-headed guy uh so i think his performance certainly has something to do with that and uh you know he's a little bit more it's a little bit more relatable i think than than the typical hal jordan performance and completely opposite of what they tried to make hal jordan in in the live action movie and (laughs) uh what what feels like a a departure from the character in the comics uh in the last decade or so so uh i think his performance is great and and, and at least it makes this character somewhat enjoyable for me. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely on the same page as far as, you know, Hal's maybe third or fourth on my list of favorite human Green Lanterns. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely, definitely kind of fun to see him as a protagonist in, in a role that, and, and to actually kind of feel for the character and, and want to root for him, especially when he has that reunion with Carol, it's really dramatic. And yeah, I think, I think Mr. Keaton's performance is certainly a part of that, but uh, yeah, all, all the, all things together. Like I said, I think everyone's really, really solid in, in this episode. And uh, I gave voice acting another pretty strong seven out of 10. Nice. I went just a hair higher. I went eight out of 10. 
Um, I think between Josh Keaton and then Jennifer Hale's performances, I think that uh, their interaction also was pretty strong that they had, they seemed to have real chemistry and pretty believable. Mm-hmm. And, and then, as we said, Kevin Michael Richardson's uh, turn is kill the log also uh, pretty strong here. So a, a, a pretty, pretty great rounded out. And, and even though it's not uh, even though it's not a huge cast, I feel like everybody did a pretty solid job and, and nobody stood out as, as maybe being, uh, over their heads. So, uh, great, great job voice casting here and, and great performances all the way around. Absolutely. All right, Liam, let's, uh, I guess that will bring us to our final scores for this week's episode. Uh, so totaling everything up here, I end up with a pretty solid, uh, 29 out of 40. What about you? And I am just one point higher at a 30 out of 40 for my final score. So, yeah, really a respectable, solid job all around. Um, as, as we talked about rewatchability, that's a little harder to do with these, uh, with these Elseworlds, as, as usually we kind of try to put it in context of what it means to the larger universe and then, and then kind of work backwards from there. But as far as, like I said, what we're looking to do this month is sort of look at alternate takes on villains we've seen before. And, uh, and obviously star Sapphire, not a huge character in justice league, but made a lot of appearances, as you mentioned. And uh, so seeing a, sort of a, a combination of a couple different versions, there is uh, the version in, in the silver age comics that has, you know, that it's just sort of this, you know, the spurned lover of, of how Jordan turned into a villain and, and then there's sort of combining that with the more recent uh, comic book appearances to make sort of a, a more sinister version of this this core of, of Star Sapphires. I, I think that's fun. And I, th- I think if you're a fan of, of their more recent incarnations in the Blackest Night books and the even into the the new 52, like New Guardians books and things like that, I think there's uh, there's some fun stuff here for you if you're a big Lanterns fan. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, as we said, it's hard hard to say whether or not this is. I as we said, we know that uh, it it that the star sapphires certainly play a role in this later on, and uh, we know uh, Gieta. I know Gieta makes an appearance later on in this series, so it seems like this is pretty pivotal. Um, it also develops certainly the relationship between Carol and Hal, as this is the first episode that she realizes that he's the Green Lantern. So that seems pretty pivotal, even not knowing, <laughs> uh, not knowing uh, how the rest of the series works out. This seems like it's a pretty, pretty pivotal episode for that point alone. So I would say it's it's important, and there's there's a lot of in, a lot of stuff here that you're going to want to follow up on on threads later on, as we mentioned. So I'd say uh, it's seems like it's a must watch if you're talking about in the grand scheme of things for this series as far as if you're just going to pick an episode to watch yeah i i i could say if you said hey should i watch this episode i'd say sure give it a shot it's it's interesting there's enough action and enough stuff as you mentioned enough homages to some of those uh sci-fi shows from the 60s and 70s that uh, will probably make you feel a little bit warm and fuzzy if you were able to make those connections like we did. So I uh, totally agree. I think I think this is something that you could recommend. And if you're watching through this series as a whole, seems to be a must watch. Yeah, agreed. I definitely think there's there's a lot here. But if you're just a, a big fan of the these characters from the comics or if uh, yeah, if you're if you're looking to go through this series, then this is definitely one you, you got to watch, I think. There you go. 
All right, Liam, well, that will begin to wrap things up for this week's episode. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, Apple, Spotify. Uh, You can also check us out on Google Podcasts. You can also check us out on anchor.fm. Don't forget, you can also listen to every episode up on our YouTube page. Uh, You can just search the pod tower on YouTube where members of the pod tower uh, YouTube channel there alongside uh, our friends at watchtower database and Tim talk You can get content from them as well. If you want to support us, go ahead and subscribe to us on there. We would greatly appreciate that. Also don't forget uh, you can support us by leaving a five-star review on your favorite podcast app. If they so let you, that helps us out. Leave a little blurb too, if you have time, because that helps, uh, helps us out with the algorithm and gets more people listening which ultimately is what we want so uh liam we are again in this elseworlds villains month here at the dcau review meaning that we are going to uh, move forward here with uh, a, a trip around the multiverse to our next destination and i know that this one is uh one that you have to be really really excited about for next week absolutely uh we have uh we have talked about Quite a few episodes of, uh, of Batman the Brave and the Bold to date. A lot of fun, wacky ones and uh, some, some really fun superhero adventuring. Um, but this one is, is going to be quite a bit different. And it's, it's sort of one of the, I think, most talked about and maybe remembered episodes of the series because it was such a departure. But uh, for next week's episode, we will be going back to the world of Batman the Brave and the Bold for a look at the episode Chill of the Night. There we go. I know this is one that uh, ranks pretty highly on a lot of people's lists, and uh, this is one that uh, Mr. James Tucker, who is uh, who produced that uh, show, has talked about being a very seminal, important episode to him. So look forward to checking that out with you finally for the first time. I know you've seen it before. This will be my first review of this episode, so I'm very excited to check that out with you. But until then, I'm Cal. And I'm Liam. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye.